Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Allie Martin. And that silence on the other end of this mic is the fact that um, Patrick, unfortunately, my other co-host, Patrick Bailey, is not here today, so I am flying, <laughs> when bigs fly, I am flying solo for this episode. So Patrick, you are missed tremendously. Um, but with that said, today we are going to be talking with Jasmine Davis. She is the owner of Sweet Jazz Treats. And let me tell you, she makes some mean desserts. She's been an entrepreneur since 2017, had a really big career pivot. She was in the corporate world for years and years and years, making really good money, had bachelor's degree, master's degree, and she decided to pivot. And now she runs her own baking company. So we are going to learn about her experience uh, moving into a whole new field, right? What does that take? And it's also a trade. So you're not working behind a desk anymore in IT or anything within tech. So we're going to get her experience on this now. So let's bring her in. Okay, Jasmine. So first and foremost, it's a ladies edition of When Pigs Flies, just you and I today. We are flying solo. And I am personally so excited to have you on this podcast because we had the chance to kind of have some fun producing video a video in the past. And you have had your hand with the Newport Incubator Kitchen. So we'll kind of get to that a little bit here in a second. But first, let's kind of give everybody a rundown briefly on how you got into the field of baking? So I started my business about four years ago. I was in corporate America at Anthem as a resource manager and project coordinator. So I had probably managed over four to 500 people uh, during that time doing payroll, doing project management and everything like that. The reason I end up quitting or leaving that job is because me and my husband were dealing with infertility issues. And so my doctor told me pretty much I needed to kind of make a decision on what I would like to do because being in a high demanding IT stressful job 24 seven, and then also like working over 50, 60 hours a week was like way too much if we were trying to actually start a family. So I prayed about it and prayed about it. And God gave me the name Sweet Jazz Treats. Then I kind of started mm -hmm. baking because baking, instead of actually dealing with the overall issue, I kind of put baking as my outlet of dealing with the stress yeah. and, you know, not being able to have children at the moment. And it was just all into one. And I was like, I need something else. So um, I've always been a creative type. I've always liked art. I've always, you know, I've always been good with my hands. I've played instruments. Um, I like to draw. That creative yeah. side has always been there. So I think it was just me coming back, bringing it back into my remembrance <laughs> and just, you know, going back yeah. into it again. And it kind of started from there. So I did probably one or two cakes a weekend. I went from one to two cakes a weekend to seven to 10 cakes a weekend. And probably I want to say in 2017, in March, I was doing my performance review and everything and about to get a bonus. So I was like, yes, extra money. And this was your corporate America job. This was my corporate America job. And okay. so at that time, I clearly heard God told me to quit. And I was like, hold up, Jesus. We're supposed wow. to wait six months. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring this money in a little bit more. <laughs> like, breaks. Of breaks. <laughs> but <laughs> me being a Christian and being obedient, I was like, okay. So mm. my manager was like, what's going on? Why are you quitting? Was mm. I was like, I have to follow another passion of mine. And it mm. kind of led to that. So from 2017, March 9th, 2017, I officially quit and I launched my business and I've been running and moving forward ever since. And it's been four years. 
Boy, what a journey, right? So you basically launched right away then into Sweet Jazz Treats, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you, because I love this, especially bringing in the spirituality side of things. What is your opinion on balancing that, you know, that intuition, that spirituality with also maybe being like overly analytical, especially when you're trying to launch a business? How do you balance that? For me, it's a lot of prayer and meditation. I don't never make Mm. moves without praying about it first and asking God to give me some type of confirmation in order for me to move. Now, I'm not saying, you know, every time God has told me something, I, I of course, did it. Jump ship. <laughs> I'd be like, hold up, let me think about this. But I try to be obedient at what he is telling me. But at the same time, I feel like he wouldn't make me tap back into something that I enjoy. Mm. And I love to do. I've always been yeah. passionate about cooking. My whole family cooks. So especially with baking and myself. So I was like, well, maybe this is something that I need to get back into again. And I I enjoy it. I love what I do. So yeah, it definitely took a lot of trying to figure out exactly how to balance that out of yeah. Not just doing things on a whim. Because sometimes we mm-hmm. as people tend to do things on a whim all the time and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going to do this just because. And it's like, it feels it right. It feels right. And I'm like, uh, did you think about it? Did you pray about it? But you're like, that bonus. Yeah, <laughs> right. Especially that bonus. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, I have to take time for that. And that's with any mm-hmm. decision that I uh, make. Even when I decided to leave from working from home, baking from home and going to a commercial kitchen, uh, that's a huge step. That's huge progress um, of growth. And it's like, okay, can I manage this? And then going from there to still going to another level by doing events and festivals, because that's a totally different beast in itself. This is great. You're perfectly segueing this in for me of, of <laughs> unwrapping this, right? So so you you knew in that moment, okay, this is time for me to pivot in my life and my career. Like you said, it's like riding a bike, bringing back the, the, the creative elements that you were missing probably for a very long time, mm-hmm. practicing, practicing, practicing. And then you talked about the joining the kitchen, right? And this is the Newport Incubator Kitchen. So talk about how you dove into that? How did you hear about it? How did you get involved? And for for people who don't know what it is, first say what it is. Yeah. So I was in the incubator kitchen in Newport called the Incubator Collective Kitchen, I think it is called now. And so I was there for probably like a year and a half now. There was an opportunity presented to me of going into Kenwood Mall. So mm. when I went into Kenwood Mall, I would have to produce in bulk. I can't do that in my home. So I was like, okay, so what's the next thing? So I was like, okay, let me look into a kitchen during a time I was part of mortar. And so there was a food liaison uh, there as well. And she told me about Rachel was awesome and super sweet and so I conversed with them I talked to them they kind of held my hand with the process and then I kind of just launched into it so being in Kenwood gave me a different perspective on how Mm. to also run a business kind of like a storefront but not a storefront (laughs) yeah what so what did you learn too in that moment because I'm sure that was again big pivot That was a big pivot because it's like owning your own little storefront, but you're in a kiosk. So with the kiosk, you Mm. still have to run it like a 24-7 store, I guess you can say, and having employees Mm. and hiring employees and paying workers comp and all this stuff they don't tell you when you're starting business that you have to bring in as a business owner. You're just thinking, oh, I'm just going to run a business, jump in it, do what I do, do what I love. But you still have to do payroll. You still have to have insurance. Like all this stuff that nobody like seriously wants to talk about because it's that 
I guess you should know already type ordeal. But really, Mm -hmm. a lot of us Mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs are winging it all the time. And so going into that space was, I'm going to be honest and blunt and real. It was the most depressing time for me and my business. Um, And the reason I said it, I enjoyed baking. But the ins and outs of trying to manage that and then trying to do catering on the side for weddings and custom cakes and still delivering cakes. And I was doing it all like literally with no heart, solo, no team. And then the people that I. And for how long? I did that probably. Let's see. I went into Kenwood Mall Easter weekend 2018 or 19. Easter weekend in April and I stayed from Kenwood Mall in April to like September is when I left. So then what from the 2017 because you said 2017 was when you launched right? Yeah so I lost my business itself in 2017 but I was. And then you were making for about a year. Okay okay so what were you doing in that year before you went into the kiosk? Just Doing festivals and events and pop-ups, just smaller Smaller. stuff, nothing extremely huge. But I was trying to make a name for myself throughout that process, too, Mm -hmm. as well. So, and then going, like I said, into Kenwood Mall and to see that, that was a huge change because, you know, you try to follow some of the other people who kind of are in your same field, like Gigi's Cupcakes, Abby Girls and all that and try yeah. to do the same model as they have, business model. And so the person in Kenwood Mall was like, yeah, Gigi's Cupcakes is here. They made X, Y, Z. And I was like, oh, I can do that. If they make X, Y, Z, I can sure make X, Y, Z wrong like <laughs> bad timing they lied and it, it was just like why did I even do this like it was so oh. stressful and not only stressful it got to the point to like I was robbing Peter to pay Paul literally just to either yeah. make payroll or pay my rent the rent at Kenwood Mall was ridiculous just high. I don't feel like they really catered to small businesses themselves. I feel like they catered more to the bigger established business. Maybe the timing wasn't yeah. right for you. So do you regret the decision? Do you regret being at Kenwood? Yes and no. I don't regret being in Kenwood because it helped build my exposure for my business. I do regret it yeah. for not literally thinking about it on a bigger perspective of how much I would have to shell out financially and mm. how much it tore like my business to the point to where I didn't want to bake anymore um, because of it, because yeah. of the whole, you know, just being stressed out. But it's a learning lesson and it was an experience that I don't regret because that has kind of showed me how I want to progress in my business going forward. And I think that's why, too, I kind of was like, well, I don't want to be in a store front per se right now. Let me build my truck. Mm There we go. Food yeah, truck, baby. So I kind of went went into that route and I was like, well, there's not really a true bakery dessert truck out here in Cincinnati. Mm-mm. You have people that do like ice cream and shaved ice and stuff like that. But there is yeah. no true soul like dessert truck for real in Cincinnati itself. So I was like, well, I guess I'll be the first. <laughs> That's so how has that experience been? Right. Because I imagine also with your from the food side of things, like you're not necessarily needing like an oven or because you're you're not baking in the truck, are you? No, I am not baking in a truck because it would be very, very hot in there. I see all my food truck (laughs) friends sweating up storms, cooking in the truck and and it's 100 degree weather. I was like, I it's a real exactly, drip cake. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want that in my life. So, but I decided to just solely bake in the commercial kitchen, package my things, and mm. just have it presented in a display case and just pass it out the window. And that's the easiest thing for me 
to actually do. So I enjoy doing that. And then I like to see how people, I guess you could say I enjoy seeing how people look at the stuff in the display cases, especially them spinning around and they see like, oh, is that a slice of cake? That's a big slice of cake. Or that's a huge (laughs) cupcake. Why is that cupcake so big? So just to be able to see the reaction of people Mm. um, seeing my desserts, that was my main focus because people eat with their eyes. And once they eat with their eyes, they eat with their stomach. And that was my whole gist of building the truck, but also making sure it looked good on the outside as well. And to make sure it spoke for itself when you see it. And it does. Yeah. I think there's so much to be said about, you know, if you like your brand, especially if you're moving into that space of something that's so visual, like creating cakes and, and, and creating cupcakes and desserts or whatever food that, that brand also really feels to identify with you because yes. your name is also in it. Exactly. Cause I'm sure that just kind of like keeps you going a little bit more. Right. So here's, so let's say someone is looking to get into the space of baking. What is the biggest piece of advice that you can give them? I say the biggest piece of advice I can probably give is make sure you're passionate when you're doing it and you love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is Mm -hmm. because I'm a firm believer that when you're baking or you're cooking, your soul and your spirit gets into your food. So if Mm -hmm. you're, let's say your mindset is not not correct one day you're mad you're angry and you're cooking and you're trying to feed it to somebody else and you're like this is nasty like what did you put in this people can tell when you really enjoy and love what you're doing based off what Mm. they're eating they feel the love in your food so my whole objective when I created my business was to make sure that my soul and my spirit went into my food and you can taste every single flavor and ingredient and how good it was and how moist it was. And it's not just a dry cupcake. (laughs) And some cupcakes can come out that way, but I wanted to make sure every single time you felt the love that I put in each and every one. And not only that, I make sure I kept my spirit clean while I'm while I'm cooking as well. So I'm listening to something inspirational uh, mm. or gospel music or, you know, just something to keep me motivated or a motivational podcast or something like that in order for my food to continue to taste the way they do. Now, even when I have bakers now, I'm like, so what's your spirit today? Like, how are you doing? Like, I ask them, we pray too as well before we start baking. Not saying that I force that on them, but that's something that we incorporated, you know, into my business overall. And it has helped us and everybody still enjoys my stuff. So I say that is the biggest factor is to make sure you're passionate at what you do Mm -hmm. because people will they will taste taste your food and know if it's truly you and what your spirit is and how much you enjoy it. First of all, love that because I could not agree more. Now, how do you find the balance of, you know, taking this passion of cooking, but also incorporating the realistically, the entrepreneurial side of things, which you had talked about before, the project management, the insurance and all that without experiencing burnout and without you know, finding without feeling negative towards baking. Yeah, it's a lot of balance. It's so much, it's a lot of balance. And not only is a lot of balance, sometimes there will be things that will fall Mm -hmm. through the gutters. We as entrepreneurs do so much and we're not just the the baker, like I'm the baker, the HR person, the CEO, the person yeah. that fires you, like the delivery guy. I am literally 10 jobs yes. in one. And so to make sure that I don't get burnt out, I have to literally take a mandatory days off. Like mm. this week, my mandatory days off are Monday and Tuesday. Because last week we had such a huge festival and my team worked from Tuesday all the way till Sunday. And I was like, we need a break. Yeah, burnout. 
Yeah, before you burn mm-hmm. out, and especially in the food truck industry, because you we do so many events or so many festivals, and we want to be mm-hmm. able to make that money. I try to find balance in that, and then take me time, self time. You know, do things yeah. that I like to do, like get my nails done and pedicures, and <laughs> get my, my nails yeah. done. At the end of the day, because you have to. And it's, sometimes it's hard because still as an entrepreneur, you're still thinking business all the time. Like right now, I'm thinking yeah. like, OK, what do I need to do tomorrow? How many cupcakes do I need to bake for this festival this weekend? Yeah. And how many cakes? How do you stay organized, too? I write a lot of stuff down. And then also uh, I use my notepad on my phone. So immediately when I'm seeing it or thinking about it, I'm writing it down, especially like when I go to the grocery stores (laughs) and I'm like, oh, okay, I need to get eggs. I need to get milk. I need to get butter. I need to get this and that. And like how many cupcakes that I need to do? Oh, I need to get cupcake liners and stuff like that and containers. So it's constantly juggling you're always juggling you're always trying to improve you're always trying to to grow better at each and every day if I could go back in time and somebody told me like would you choose your corporate job versus your own business I'd probably like probably a part of me want to be like yeah I'm going to go back into corporate (laughs) yeah but then a part of me is like No, because then I'm under somebody else's Mm. dime. I don't have, I like the fact that I have the flexibility to still have me time and be able to do what I want to do at the end of the day. And how was, because you're what, uh, 2017, what, four years or so now into this and going through the pandemic, how did the pandemic affect you? And I'm sure you probably were able to hear other stories in the, in the mm-hmm. business too. How did it affect the very small new food business owners like yourself? And how did you get through it? I learned how to shift. The pandemic actually helped me increase my business. <laughs> Oh, do tell. Yeah, it increased my business and I learned how to shift. So when everybody was at home and they couldn't go to the stores like that and they're just sitting there like looking at people, I'm delivering cupcakes to every door. I was moving forward. I would like every Saturday, Friday and Saturdays, I would have cupcake sales. And so for $25, you get a dozen cupcakes, any of these certain flavors. And so I would go to different neighborhoods, like each, probably each week I hit up a different neighborhood, whether it's College Hill, whether it was Mason area, whether it was Springdale, like I hit up a different area and be like, hey, I'm going to be in this area this way. Who wants to order? And so I had between 20 to 30 orders each time and I delivered oh, wow. them all myself. I gave them all time frames. I told them like, hey, I'm going to leave your cupcakes on your door. I'm going to ring your doorbell and I'm going to go to the next thing. And I will message them like, hey, I am here. And it kind of went like that. And so that kind of yeah. helped me. <laughs> Give my name out. Physi- you were physically bootstrapping down, which I think that's that's so. Oh gosh, right, that hustle, that's the yeah. reality of what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. Now, how were people then finding you because you were going to like festivals and things like that? Now, was it were did people already know who you were going into the pandemic, or and if if people were coming across you and never had heard of you before, how were you getting your name out there? It was a little bit of both. So even before the pandemic, like me going into Kenwood Mall helped, but I posted all the time on Facebook. Social Social media Mm -hmm. was like my biggest platform of even just growth of my business between social, between Facebook and Instagram. And so, I mean, that's how I found you. Yeah. And so that's how (laughs) I grew my business over the years is through social media platforms and by word of mouth. Word of mouth is such a powerful thing. You would never, ever realize how it can go from one person mm. to one person to one person. And a lot of my high, my, a lot of my clientele has been word of mouth and it's generational. Yeah. It's families. Like I have one family I've 
been working with forever. I did their first daughter's wedding. Then I did their their daughter's baby shower. Next, I'm doing their second daughter right now's wedding, um, which is in November. So like clientele like that and all my customers who are like, Jazz, we love your stuff here. I gave such and such your number and this is what they're looking for. But not only that, making sure I always provide excellent customer service at the end of the day. And I think mm. sometimes we as entrepreneurs forget that our customers are the ones that support our business. And yes, mm. we need to keep them for first, but also we need to keep that professionalism at all times too of just making sure we satisfy them because they're the ones that help feed us too at the end of the day. And I think we forget that a lot of times. And with the customer service, when it comes to the baking industry, I guess, what does that look like? Right. I I imagine, you know, if you're delivering a cake to a wedding or something like that, Mm -hmm. and that's a stereotype, but like if there's a bridezilla or something, (laughs) and they're like, this part of the cake, I don't like it. You know, how do you, what recommend, what advice can you give someone? You know, how do you handle that situation in that moment? So one thing that I do, and first and foremost, I always tell every person who's in the wedding industry or just the baking industry in general Mm. is to have a contract, Mm. have a contract, just like, you know, constructions and people who build houses and all that, they have contracts. We need to have contracts in place. We need to clearly state in that contract X, Y, Z. So if a cake collapse and it's in 90 to 100 degree weather and you want your cake outside and I forewarned you not to have that cake outside, (laughs) you cannot come back to Sweet Jess Street saying, My cake fell fell over because in the contract, it says due to any extreme damages of weather or environment, Sweet Jazz Treats is not obligated nor has the responsibility of this cake because I forewarned you. Contract. Ah, the element. <laughs> and, and that, I imagine, just comes with experience, too, it right? I imagine. Experience. Probably- so every <laughs> time there's something, not saying that, you know, things, things, of course, do happen. Yes, they yeah. do happen. But at the same time, those are one of those incredible moments people tend to always remember. So you mm. have to always be on your P's and Q's when it comes to weddings. And you want to make sure everything is always, always like top notch. So I make sure the bride looks over the contract. I go over the contract. I explain the contract as well. And then if they have any questions, I answer those questions. And once they sign it, you're good to go. I'm good to go. So you know, and I know that you understand anything (laughs) that happens is not my fault because I did my job. I provided the service that you wanted and vice versa. So from the baking perspective and in your industry, would you say, um, without giving away all your secrets, would you say that weddings are your greatest source of revenue? How do you, how do you tier that? Because if someone is trying to look to get into this field, you know, where Mm -hmm. should they, where should they spend more of their time? Yeah, I say it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Weddings are, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. Your custom cakes are every month. Yeah. People are going to have birthdays. They're Mm -hmm. going to have like anniversaries and stuff like that. That's one of your continuous revenues. At first, I used to say, oh, I want to do custom cakes all the time. But sometimes people don't want to pay for those custom cakes. But they'll pay for them wedding cakes. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care what the charge is for that wedding cake. As long as it tastes good mm. and it's beautiful, they will pay X, Y, Z. And so, I mean, I like both. But sometimes even with weddings, it could be very exhausting. Even with custom cakes, is very exhausting. I think right now I'm at the point of trying to figure out, do I still want to do both of those? Oh. Because now that I had added the truck, 
into the picture. Ooh, so are you, yeah, wait, ooh, okay. So, and you were also talking about hiring on uh, employees to work for you. So to backtrack yeah. a little bit as an entrepreneur, what has that been like? Cause that's, you know, you're kind of like building the plane as it's, as it's landing, right? Yes. <laughs> so with that being said, um, that is once again, a different beast that nobody talks yeah. about dealing with employees. It's a good experience, but it's finding the right employees that see your vision. Mm. You could just hire anybody to work. You can do that. But actually hiring somebody who sees where your vision is going and your dream is growing, it's two different things. Sometimes people just want to work just to work to get a paycheck. I wanted to make sure I was selective of who I actually was hiring. I need you to have the passion, same passion that I have is baking when you bake. A little bit of skill set too, I imagine. Oh, yes. And when I'm baking, like if I have you do a cake for a customer, they should not tell if I baked it or you baked it. Now, are you training then? And how are you finding these people? Because it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. So I am training them, of course. And then I'm also, you know, they reach Mm -hmm. out to me as well. And I kind of use my intuition to figure out like, hey, is this person really for me? If they're not, are they trying to get Mm -hmm. something from me? Because I've had people literally come on for as a position, but they're trying to get something from me to gain for their own Mm. business as well. Do you make them sign a non-compete or an NDA? Yes. And that's another thing. One of those contracts again, like you can't compete on anything that I have taught you, you cannot use for your own game. Can you trademark recipes? Like, how does that? Yeah, do you, you do can. That? Have you done you that? You can trademark recipes. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I just have. to, to protect. Just to protect myself and my business and how much that I have grown at the end of the day. But yeah, dealing with employees is a totally different beast. Not just that, but the payroll mm. aspect of it. If I didn't have events, like how how am I going to pay them? Because you can't say, oh, I can't pay you this week because X, Y, Z. They're you looking like, where's my money? I worked. Where's my <laughs> and, and, and I imagine that's a lot harder, too, because for anything, especially in the restaurant industry, you are very product and resource forward. So in order for you yeah. to be at an event, you know, you're hoping that you're judging that you're buying enough product to make and build Mm -hmm. your cakes and I is that just through experience that you've kind of figured it out yeah over time I figured it definitely figured it out especially like for my large events so for instance the festival that I did this weekend was the country Mm -hmm. apple festival and last year when I did it it was huge I sold out twice so once before one o'clock, another time before like four o'clock and the festival didn't nice. until seven. But I had to go back and forth from Kentucky to get more stuff. This year, I thought I had it <laughs> down to the T. Like, okay, we're not just doing two coolers. We're oh, doing wow. six coolers or five co- uh, coolers. I have huge 160 foot coolers. And so they carry, I pack them up and carry all my stuff. But we started running out at two o'clock and I was like, oh, I thought I was going to have enough for No, I had to send my team to go back to the kitchen where I'm at, get more stuff and bring it back so we can last until seven. And it helped. But at the same time, you never can really gauge how much product you really need, especially if it's, you know, uh, big, huge festivals and events that are like two days or three days or four days type situations. Yeah. Events. If yeah, doing events, if anyone ever has their, you know, hands and experience in doing events, you'll know that it's a, it's a fly by the seat of your pants type deal, but it's always a lot of fun. It is. Okay. So I kind of want to backtrack a little bit too. So talking about again, like the nitty gritty of being a business owner. So you, you were like, okay, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, there's so much that you don't know going into being an entrepreneur. Do you feel like that is yeah. uh, unique to you or that just a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way? And if, if a lot of people do feel that way, how do you think 
you know, as like societally, whether it's through education when we're young or college or whatnot, that might encourage a better understanding and better learning how to pursue entrepreneurship. And even if they don't go to college, right? I think there's yeah. a lot to be said about there's a lot of successful people who are entrepreneurs who don't go to college. Exactly. So I'll say a couple things. What they teach you in college has nothing to uh -huh. do with entrepreneurship. There is a very small details into it. And um, I feel like entrepreneurship should be taught from elementary, not elementary, mm. but high school, just like a college curriculum should be yeah. entrepreneurship should be taught as well to give uh, kids options or adults options to figure out like, hey, do I want to go to college, rack up all this college Corporate. debt, yep. sit in a, in a school for, you know, X, Y, Z amount mm. of time for years and then try to find something in my field. I've been there. I've done that. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is because I have a master's and a bachelor's and I no longer use them. Yeah. And I did that. And so and like, do you feel like that master, the master's and the bachelor's degree, did you any good in what you're doing now? Um, no. And the reason I say that is because my field was IT and healthcare. Mm. So the only thing really I got out of it to use now is probably the customer service part and how to maneuver and deal with certain people on different levels, whether it's your executives, your CEO, or down to your basic garbage man yeah. or post worker. I know how to use it as far as that. But overall in itself, I feel like society has given, given these kids, our younger generation, mm -hmm. How can I say this without being so blunt? Uh, <laughs> we like, I'm just we like say blunt, it. so. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. They gave them such a disadvantage mm. of not knowing the different sides of entrepreneurship and going off to college into a professional corporate world. And they we push, you know, corporate America or these degrees out on these kids. Yeah. But in reality, they may have a trait or a skill or something else that can still that they can still use mm. and they're good with their hands and still make as much yep. or even not more than a college degree person. I say it took me probably 10 years to even just to get into my actual field yeah. through the stepping stones. And uh, me and my husband always have this conversation on time. We're not going to push our kids to go to college. We're going to push them into something, whether it's a trade or something like that, that they will be able to make money off of. But trades, these trade schools train people to make money off the bat at 18, doing $30, $40 an hour. You can be a, a pipe fitter and you can make six I'm, figures. Hey, preach. Hey, preach. <laughs> I'm a huge advocate of the trades myself. Yeah. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, I feel like as entrepreneurs, one, we need to be real and realistic. One, not only with ourselves, but we need to be real and realistic to those who are trying to go into this business. Mm. And you will not. And I always say this, you do not get any sleep. You work for yourself seven days yeah. a week, 24 you seven. You are accountable. You are accountable for every single thing that you yeah. do, period, point blank. You cannot blame anybody. So if anything falls in the cracks, it's because of you. If I forgot a cake, it's you. because I forgot to write it down and it was because of me. And I have to apologize for somebody <laughs> who don't get their cake and refund their money back. That has never happened, God forbid. But at the end of the day, I think we do not fully tell and explain mm. like the overall gist of entrepreneurship, whether it's a financial aspect, whether it's a mental and emotional and a spiritual aspect, all those play a good uh a component of how to run your business. People don't think about that, but it does. But not only just that part, learning how to, learning about business yeah. credit, 
making sure you have an EIN number, making sure if you're in the food industry, make sure you have food licensing and your certifications and stuff like that. You can't just say, oh, I love to cook. I love, I'm going to start a catering business, but you don't have food insurance. What if somebody gets sick from your food? They're going to come after you. Yeah, like. you're, that's a liability. <laughs> so would you, would you recommend somebody going through similar what you did with an incubator kitchen where you kind of learn a lot of those that foundation? Uh, yeah, I feel like I did learn a lot from them, but I also learned a lot during my own mm. research. And like I said, too, there are people out there who are willing to give that knowledge and information I'm one of those people because I feel like there is plenty of money out here for Amen. everybody. And if there's something that I can help you with that I've already been through and I feel like in these past four years, I can write yeah. a freaking yeah, book. I imagine you probably uh, <laughs> will at some point in time. Yeah, at some point. But I, there are so many things that I've learned of the do's mm. and the don'ts. And so my goal, especially in these next couple months or a year is to have a do teach a class for people who especially women who want to be food truckers there's mostly men that like really go in and do it and then of course you got couples that do it but you don't see single or married women you know who are just women in general who solo do it themselves like myself and learn how to drive the truck and know how to back up the truck and know how to do your generators. Oh my God, people probably and, don't even like think about that, right? The small little nitty gritty yeah. details. Now, when you did that, did you just go in on your own? Let's talk about that experience a little bit more about, you know, you being a woman in this, in this, in this space and in this industry. Yeah. So this space is, I want to say it's, both men and women, but you mainly see men doing it more. And I think it's because of like, and are you seeing men, men of white, black and white men in this yes, space or is this, there a, yeah, yeah. And just overall space yeah. in general, I personally don't see too many of me, African-American mm. woman in a, the food truck industry, unless they are with their husbands and they do it as a team. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I guess I know for me, I know I never wanted to be put inside a box. I never wanted to just be the average bakery mm -hmm. in a storefront. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to think out the box and I want to come to you. I'm not waiting for you to come to me at the end of the day. But I think a lot of people do it together so they can, most of the time they already have families. So they yeah. like already did that corporate America thing. So now they're trying to do something to build generational for their families and yeah. which is all fine and dandy and good. For me, I also did it for a generational for my children, my unborn children, for them to have something later on down the line to claim as their own and yeah. not have to worry about it. But I think at the overall, I think people are just trying to seek something different. I think they're trying to establish something, of course, of their own, because nowadays nine to five is not guaranteed. And I've I've seen so many people lose their jobs in corporate America, especially during COVID, thinking that was going to be their security blanket. <laughs> and it wasn't. And do you and do you feel that women and black women in particular are more more vulnerable to that to losing that nine to five or do you think it's an even playing field? I feel like it's an even playing field, but I feel like we are more of the leads of finding something else and not having to depend on the nine to five. We are mm -hmm. always born hustlers. Yeah, it's always in our mentality to be born hustlers. We're always trying to find something different to continue to level up and support our families. Mm -hmm. um, African-American women are probably one of the, the number one ethnicities to really branch off and do their own businesses more than any other ethnicity. Mm. And it's not because other people are not capable. It's just we're trying to 
protect and protect ourselves, protect our family to to build more overall. And um, I feel like, you know, with me being in the food truck game and me probably being the only black woman literally without any support and you'll see me lugging these generators and lugging these coolers and I drive my truck. My husband don't drive my truck. I drive my truck and And I back it up just like it's a semi because my dad's a truck driver. So he taught me, you know, I could whip any type of car and vehicle. And so, like, I'm doing it all at the end of the day. And people be like, Dad, Jess, you're really getting it. Like, And how does that, so how does that, like, make you feel when you step back, right? Because the reality is, is like, you do, you got to dive into it. No one's got to do it for you. Right. It's like, it's got to get done. You can't depend or wait on anybody. Mm -mm. And I think sometimes people have that mentality, especially in entrepreneurship, thinking that it's just going to come to you. No, you need to create your own path. I've created my own paths. Just, you know, me being in the baking business. Mm. Nobody has done what I've done. Mm -mm. In such a short period of time, too. In a short period of time. Usually it takes a person in the baking industry to really grow and prosper within five to ten years to even see anything. And I have cut it in half. So not even half. So it was just like, you know take the initiative, do what you need to do, and then grow from from there. But I've always been that gone with the wind type person. Yeah. I'm not going to wait for you to come to me. I'm going to make my own you're way. Also, you're a drive, <laughs> right? And you're also driving. Yeah, the drive. <laughs> wait, so, okay, this is me shifting gears a little bit because one thing that stood out to me that you had mentioned earlier at the top of this was the aspect of infertility, right? And and being a woman yeah. and trying to start a family. And then one of the very first things that also popped into my mind on top of infertility is healthcare. So yeah. being a small business owner and an entrepreneur, how are you managing healthcare? Is there a part like with, with your husband, is he covering healthcare on his end or what does that look like for you? Yeah, so my husband carries our healthcare mm. insurance because my husband's a structural engineer. So he has a very high demanding job. And so with him carrying the insurance and doing that, that is amazing. And yes, he's very, very supportive too in regards to me being able to go for my dreams as well. So I think the overall health aspect of it, we as entrepreneurs do not take care of ourselves like Mm. we need to especially the mental, the emotional part of it. Yes, like I've had so many anxiety attacks and breakdowns (laughs) and depression. Like not just because I wanted it, like, but because you feel so overwhelmed all the time and you don't literally take a break. We don't take breaks. We don't go to the doctor like we need to. Like I probably went more to the doctor when my corporate America job than I did now. (laughs) So, okay. So let's say, let's, this is a hypothetical situation, you know, and also for the entrepreneurs out there who might not have that same, same support or have the option of having, you know, uh, their partner having healthcare. What are your thoughts on that? Have you looked into that at all? And, and from, I know this is a pretty loaded question of healthcare, which is a very complicated, um, space, but what are your thoughts on healthcare for small entrepreneurs? Because I imagine it's, can potentially hinder and stop people from pursuing their passion. It has hindered and it still is hindering. I say yeah. that because entrepreneurs who do have health care, it is very, very high. It's dumb high, like yeah. over $1,200 for Your one person. Yeah, too. it's crazy, ridiculous. And even with me, I guess I do have health insurance, uh, through my husband, but at the same time, not all my infertility treatments are covered with oh, that's that. So expensive. So I still have to literally come out of pocket thousands of dollars for treatments. So that's like one of the oh. processes too, on why we haven't kind of moved forward yet, because that's a lot of money in itself, especially the procedures that I would have to and go through overall. So, but yeah, healthcare is 
very expensive for entrepreneurs or just people in general who need insurance. I feel like if it was lowered down a little bit or tremendously, a lot of us will would have better health, you know. Yeah, and maybe actually want to pursue being an entrepreneur. And first and foremost, uh, thank you for sharing the fact that you've had this infertility experience because I could be very vulnerable and uh, very much appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's just something that's not talked about. No. It's not talked about in my culture, I guess you could say, mm. because, and I'm open about it because I feel like it's one of those taboo situations, especially when people are like, how old are you? And you'd be like, oh, I'm 35. You ain't had kids yet? You're like, I'm working. You don't think I ain't trying? We work, we're working on it. I'm working on it. And at the end of the day, I think sometimes people are not sensitive about yeah. that type of situation, especially as a culture, mm. African-American culture. Most of us have children when we're young. Yeah. So if you haven't had kids yet at by 30, they're like, what's wrong, what's wrong with you? With you? Like, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, Let's see. Yeah. Like, well, really? And it's cha- cha- changing that dialogue right because if it's exactly you know you don't know what you don't know what how do you think being an entrepreneur affects women and especially with infertility or wanting to have a family um, because personal experience right I could easily Mm -hmm. say that I'm I I mean I don't have a partner or anything but I think about that in the future that I easily have put my career in the forefront and of course but I hate having that mindset. And like, in my mind, I'm like, am I making this more difficult than it needs to be? Or uh-huh. is that a, or is that a legitimate concern that I have that I have to pick or choose? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a le- legitimate concern that we as women have to pick and choose. Yeah. And I think that's because of society has always put us, once again, in this box mm-hmm. to pick and choose, have a family, or have your career. Well, yeah. why can't I have both? Yeah. Like, I can have yes. both. No, you can't. You can't Unless have Unless you have but, already generational wealth of some sort. Well, it is. Exactly. And I, me and my husband had this conversation before, too. Like, I can, man, we as women are natural multitaskers. Mm-hmm. We do it yeah. all. Like, we cook, we clean, we like, walk, we're, we we, talk. we're cooking something, we're walking, we're talking on the phone, we got a baby on our hip. We are naturally born multitaskers. And there, of course, there's people out there that would say, oh, you can't multitask and do everything. Yes, we can. We do yeah. it all the time. Yes, like, literally, it's in our Right. We're it's in our DNA. So I feel like with women being entrepreneurs, I feel like go ahead and do it. But also really also recognize, too, as well, that there are going to be sacrifices when you are that entrepreneur mom or entrepreneur wife or whatever the situation is. There are sacrifices with this. I've sacrificed a lot in my marriage just to continue to build and grow. But that also, too, comes with communication with your significant other. Mm. And if you don't communicate that with your significant other, of course, there's going to be turmoil and problems and stuff like that. I am grateful that me and my husband communicate with each other very well and, you know, my goals and my plans and all that. Now, in the beginning, was it like that all the time? Hell no. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he did not want me to start my business. And because at the time I was making more than my husband, I'm not, you know, downgrading him. I'm not doing that. But this, these are facts. Yeah. Um, especially being very educated. These are the numbers. And so now the, the roles have flipped. Thank God he makes more than what I've ever yeah. made before. But at the same time, that comes with communicating. That comes with talking. That comes with being vulnerable. Communication is the key factor in marriage overall. It's not just divorce or arguing or fighting. Yeah. It's not communicating to your spouse like, hey, this is what's going on. This is it's what I have to do. It's going to be a late night. It's going to be a late night. I might not get home till 12 yeah. in the morning from this three-day festival for the next yeah. three days. But here's food in the refrigerator. Like, <laughs> don't expect there to be cake. <laughs> right. Don't expect to be cake <laughs> at all. So take care of the dog. Make sure he 
or stuff. So, but yeah, there's a lot of sacrifices I think we as women do Mm -hmm. overall, but throwing the mix in as being an entrepreneur as well, it like the level of it triples. And it's not because that we can't handle it. Is because society has put us in this box of not being able to, but really we have the capability. You just have to organize it a little bit more so that way it can be better for you. It's like put in an, we're put into a box, but not really, you know, because it's like I'm, I'm, I think we have the same mindset mm-hmm. of like we don't like to be confined. I think it's just, I think yeah. it's just the other half realistically uh, don't Mm -hmm. fully understand sometimes what it means to be a woman. Right. And if you were to have a family, what that means on our bodies and et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. because as much as you don't want to, we don't love talking about like periods and stuff, but like, Right. We experience that. And that's not the normal yeah. talk. Whereas people would rather run yeah. away from that vulnerable conversation. We should be having that more personal opinion. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, some, <laughs> this is funny about the period <laughs> part because I was like, we'll work through that in pain. And oh. my, we have a choice. Like, my back was hurting the other day. I'm like, my back hurts so bad. I want to just go sit and crawl in the ball and just be under my covers and eat bonbons and ice cream. Exactly. And, um, but you can't. You still have to get up and get going and keep moving and push mm. through it. And it's funny. Like, I think my employees see it more now about the hustle and drive and so one of my employees she's younger than me way younger than me she's 22 23 but like even this past weekend like we were loading about to load up the truck so everybody is trying to bring their vehicle in to load up their stuff mining i had my i had a did a catering event a gender reveal catering event the same day so i had my food truck with me so I was like, you know what? I can't bring this in here and then m- maneuver it out. So I grabbed both my coolers and each one in each hand. And I'm like booking it to the truck and walking back. Yeah, I took three trips. But I was like, I'm not about to be stuck in this traffic trying to get out of here at like 8 o'clock at night. Here's so the thing. You got your steps in. So if you're going to look at it optimistically... Exactly. I got my steps in. I got my exercise in. This is why I don't go to the gym because lifting these these coolers and generators is like that's my workout. So, okay, so full circle because I've um God bless I've taken up so much of your time already. I want to go. I want to loop back into that passion thought, right? Because you really kind of hit that at the top. Mm-hmm. That being an entrepreneur, it's so important to find something that you're passionate about. What if someone wants to be an entrepreneur and they don't fully know what their passion is, what advice can you give to them? I say do something that you enjoy, of course, but also do something that Mm -hmm. is a need. I think so many people go into entrepreneurship just saying, oh, I'm going to turn my hobby into X, Y, Z. And they're not making any money for it. it. Consumers, the consumers out there, for instance, everybody celebrates birthdays. Everybody needs cake. Everybody needs cupcakes. (laughs) Everybody needs desserts. Food is the joy for a lot of celebrations. That's a need. Go into something that really will bring you the revenue or income that you want. Go in it for a need, not just because it's a passion. And I think sometimes people forget it, forget about about the consumer. Yes, we always have to think about the consumer or what the consumer. My daily focus all the time is, okay, what does the consumer want? What do they like? How how would they this apple dutch pie make them feel when they eat it like do they like it sweet do they like it salty do they like it crunchy they like their edges burnt around the edges of the pie like like all of that matters and i think sometimes we as entrepreneurs forget that you always have to have the consumer in mind especially when you're going into business what is the consumer's need and are you able to meet that need? And if you're not able to meet that need, you might want to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, what 
can I bring to the table that will bring me income and meet the needs of my consumers? Because at the end of the day, the consumers are the ones that are going to help you bring food to your own table as well. And it does take time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, tell that's another takes. thing people don't talk about. You're not going to no. get rich overnight. <laughs> I'm still yeah. barely paying myself right now. I probably won't pay myself for a little bit longer, but I'm able to pay who's working for me. I'm able to pay my ingredients, uh, get my ingredients. I'm able to pay my rent for my commercial kitchen. But at the same time, we don't talk about that. This is not a get rich very quickly type ordeal. Mm. It's a slowly yeah. build up. Yeah, relationships. And that's another thing too. It's all about who you Amen. know, not what you know. And in all of business and relationships will help you grow further in your mm. business than anything. I say my business has grown so much based off relationships and treating others with respect and kindness more than anything of me doing it myself is because I respect people and I treat people with kind with a kind heart. Love that. Well, oh, <laughs> we're gonna, well, we'll close it on that note. So Jasmine, with that, what can people expect from you coming up and where can people find everything there is to know about sweet jazz treats? Yeah. So my, you can find me on Facebook as Sweet Jazz Treats or Sweet Jazz Treats Bakery. Also on Instagram as well as Sweet underscore Jazz underscore Treats. Um, right now I'm reconstructing my website, so it's kind of down right now <laughs> as well. But um, if you could follow me on those platforms, that's definitely great. Um, I'll also give you my email address, which is sweetjazztreats at gmail.com. You can reach me there to place any orders. Going forward, we're still working on the truck, figuring that out. That would be, you know, going forward till, of course, next year. My goal is to one day have another dessert truck. Ooh. And right now I'm in negotiation stages of trying to have my own location. Wow. So I'm hoping that will pan out the way I want it to pan out. Lots of things on the horizon. <laughs> Eventually here. But at the end of the day, you can see me everywhere from festivals to events. And I think that's the only thing people always say is like, you're everywhere. That's a good yes, problem I'm to have. Be where yeah. you're at. And yeah. I'm telling you, if you see, you know, to close it out, if you see the sweet jazz truck out there, I'm telling you, stop and and personal favorite is the um your oreo cake i really like the oreo cake ah <laughs> uh, thank you uh, Jasmine, <laughs> thank you so much this is you you dropped a ton of great knowledge and i hope people learn something from this uh, i know i do every single time i talk to you so thank you so much ah thank you love thank you for having me thank you everybody for listening speak blessings and prosperity to everybody have a blessed day guys <laughs> Okay, so Jasmine not only is one of my favorite entrepreneurs we've had on this podcast so far, she is easily one of my favorite humans. The knowledge that she was just able to drop for us felt very executable, very digestible. And her willingness to open up and be vulnerable and blunt about her experience is super beneficial. And this, and we hope that you were able to pull something from this because as I said at the end of this, I know that I did. One of the points that really sticks out to me is her willingness to just put in the work and grind. Nothing good happens overnight. And what really stood out also was the fact that she kept moving forward. She literally kept going. Think about it. The pandemic, we all stopped. She did not. She kept going and she kept hustling and she kept adapting, which then allowed her to get ahead because while everyone was on pause, she was hitting the gas pedal. So just always have that in mind too, right? If you're ever down on yourself or you're not sure what direction you're going, by you just doing something, you're moving in the right direction. What Jasmine said, find something that gives you joy Is there and, and put yourself in the consumer shoes. What also gives you joy? What gives you joy as a consumer that you know that you might need or want? And can you recreate that as well? 
But like I said, so many great takeaways from, you know, mandatory days off and finding balance, but also putting in the work and grinding. Like you, you can't lose sight of your, your spiritual side of things and, and trying to stay healthy, even though I'm sure, even though there are ebbs and flows with entrepreneurship, when that happens, write stuff down, write stuff down to stay organized, write stuff down to journal, to let it out. The little things of speaking of writing things down, write down your, your, your contracts, business contracts contracts. So many great key points came out of this. And uh, I hope that you were able to learn as much as I did with talking to Jasmine, especially if you're hoping to move more into the food and beverage industry. It's not an easy space to be and, and it is a grind and it's a hustle and you have to do it because you love it. And you have to also love people. But people and relationships are always key at the end of the day, as we always say, with every single industry and every business. But on that note, Patrick, again, you are extremely missed. And normally this is where you take over, uh, but I'm going to have to try to do it as best as possible by telling everyone to like and subscribe, follow us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, you name it, it's out there. Uh, check out our website at whenpigsfly.fm. You can find all of our links from Facebook to Instagram to LinkedIn to Twitter there. Uh, give us a follow and rate and review. We really, really appreciate it. And also don't forget to tell a friend about our podcast because word of mouth, as Jasmine said, is one of the best ways to grow any business. And uh, this is kind of sad. I guess I'm guess I'm gonna have to cheers myself. All right. Um, prost. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Ali Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation, nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.